Hey everyone, welcome back to the Thrive Leadership Podcast. I'm in the captain's chair, and he, CJ Alvarado, hey. is also in the captain's chair. We're co captains. Like co captains. It's like co captains. Do, do you ever, when you're flying, by the way, CJ, I, I do this because I'm kind of a nerd when I get on planes. I, I would like at some point to just set up in the in the cockpit in in one of the chairs. I don't care if I'm in left seat because left seat's the captain, right seat is the co-captain or assistant or I don't know what they call them. Okay, the the co-pilot, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't care. Give me right or left seat. I just want to set up in the in the chair up there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Are you kidding me? Especially when we're flying. I think that's. <laughs> Come on now, I don't want to be yeah. on that plane, man. <laughs> I don't want to be on that plane. It's autopilot, baby. They, they're, they're, listen, those guys are up there playing solitaire most yeah. of the time. I mean, those, they're the not planes, doing anything. The they're, are, they're, they're pretty much flying and landing themselves. Are they not? I'm not trying to. That is a fact. Okay. Okay. And especially with the invention of the iPad, um, the old days they were doing crosswords puzzles on their newspaper. Nowadays they're up there, they're, they're playing chess with, you know, somebody flying from, from you know Shanghai to to Auckland, New Zealand. Yeah, they they got a they probably got some kind of pilot like system where they're all on an iPad uh, playing video games. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I just want to sit in the chair though. I so would love that. If you're a pilot and you're listening to this, hook a buddy up, would you? Hook mm-hmm. me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I'd be I'd love to do that. Now, Brad, we've got well, we've got a we've got a different episode today. We do. Um, we're we're gonna mix it up. Yeah. We're going to mix it up. We don't have a guest interview that we're going to feature. The, the guests are going to be you and I. Right. How about that? We just lost 50% of our listeners. <laughs> they just all checked. They just hit stop. They, they, <laughs> they quit the run. The run just, just got cut short. The treadmill stopped. The dishwasher <laughs> is now being used instead of putting the dishes in the sink. Right. Uh, the, the commute, they just pulled off to the uh, quick trip. Uh, to you know cut or but stick with us because we think we're going to help you yeah we think we've got a few things to talk about and we really want to focus this conversation for a few minutes around the emerging generation Mm -hmm. and you know what are what's the next generation thinking about right and whether whether you're old or young this is an issue this is a topic that i know for me i get asked about a ton and i'm sure you do as well cj right I do. Yeah. Yeah. And for, you know, when I think about you, Brad, I I can't think of anyone else who's rubbing shoulders with more, not just emerging or next gen leaders, because typically there's a connotation there that those guys are really, really young, like maybe in college or something, but you've got guys who are kind of, they're, they're they're doing some things. They're growing organizations and um, it's a very different landscape, leadership landscape that, a lot of these folks are doing life and ministry in than maybe say 50 years ago again. And it's not, you know, better or worse, but I think it's, it's, there's merit in us discussing what we see, you know, what are, what are the things that the tensions that are there, the opportunities and how, how do we stay on top of that? Yeah. And, and the, 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 the first thing, you know, I practically that I would say to, to a leader, especially if you're a bit older, is this is now your responsibility to to not just to not just see the next generation as as your stewardship but also to to help create an environment and systems and 
rewards and platforms that will allow them to go further than you did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to do with, with my influence is that I'm, I'm, I'm now in that stage where I'm a, you know, I'm kind of in between generations and I want to just use my influence and use my stewardship for the next 20, 30 years to allow a bunch of younger leaders to go way further than I did. Um, and so at some point we all have to switch to this idea that my job is now to, to uh, pass the baton and pass the baton in such a way that, you know, they'll pass me. And so many times we don't realize we're doing this is we, we end up creating barriers and we, we you know, we, we sort of create a protectionist mindset that says, well, I, I, I believe in the next generation, but if I'm really honest, I don't really want them to go further than I did. Mm. No, just the opposite. Like we should see that our job is to, is to propel them further. Um, I, I love, you know, the, the picture, John Maxwell told me this years ago. Uh, when I was, you know, part of his organization and he, he didn't just tell me, he told us, you know, as a bunch of young knuckleheads who were on his team, all in our twenties, you know, he said, my job is to make sure that if I take, if I go up to Mount Everest and I don't allow other people to come with me and I then get out of the way and allow other people besides me to go up to the, to the peak, to see the, to see the view then I haven't really done my job. And sometimes we go up to Mount Everest, but we, we just sit down and then we say, well, let's just sit here for like the next year. And anybody else who wants to come up and see the view, nope, sorry. Uh, no, just the opposite. Like your job is to go up and take people with you, but then you probably have, may have to get out of the way now to allow other people to see the view as well. And so that's what I'm trying to do with this season. And you know, that, that looks like a lot of things, but that's the mindset that I'm trying to have. And so for, if you're a leader in your 40s, 50s, 60s, um, you know, think about what that looks like for you. Think about how you can do that with the, the leaders who are around you. And there, there's young leaders in your circle, I promise. Um, you just got to be intentional about starting to identify them, find them, you know, stay connected to them and start finding ways to, uh, to elevate them. Mm, that's so good. There's a, there's a quote, you know, I know by Woodrow Wilson, one of our uh, ex-presidents and yep. uh, as a history buff, you may, you, you would know this, but he says uh, a great quote that I love to quote. He says, I not only use all the brains that I have, but all that I can borrow. And hmm. I, I love that. I think it, it's in line with kind of what you're saying that you know, you're, you're trying to access the leaders around you, amplify that, you know, and not just borrow them for your own ministry and your own work, but, you know, to try to use your own influence to, you know, elevate or accelerate their own influence and growth. Why do you think it's so hard for leaders to do that? Because what I find is that we've all had our own experiences where, you know, you, you've, you've been either, this can happen in a company or in a church or any kind of organization where you feel that's much harder to do uh, than, than with others. Why do you think that is? A lot of times it's because you were led like that. So you, you pass on what you were given, you know, you, you end up leading the way you were led. And um, the, that's, that's a, 
you know, unfortunately that's true in a lot of cases is that I was never given an opportunity. And so now I'm not going to give any opportunities to anybody else. Um, it also, there, there's also this sense that, well, if I let them pass me, if I, if I spend my energy sort of, you know, bringing up the next, next generation and they end up taking my job or they end up, you know, uh, cutting me out of the deal or they end up yeah. um, sitting in my seat, <laughs> then what am I going to go do? Mm. Um, and I get that. Like, that's a, that's a valid question, but it, it doesn't necessarily, it, it doesn't, if, if you want to have a bunch of young leaders on your team, I, we both know this, TJ, I promise you, they will hang around if, if you're making room for them. So think of, you know, everybody I talk to, I mean, if you say, if you say, Hey, do you, do you want to build a culture, whether you're in a church business, nonprofit, doesn't matter. Do you want to have a culture that, you know, you've got a bunch of young leaders that are part of your organization and everybody goes, yeah, definitely. You know, we, we, we love the energy of that. We love the, the, we love the vibe. We love having, you know, we have, we love having 20 some things around because now, especially today, you know, they, they understand technology. Um, they're, they're, they're digital natives. Um, but so many times when you start looking at, at the way that there's this glass ceiling that gets created, it's because some, some of the team, especially those who are older, start to feel like, well, what if I'm not needed anymore? <laughs> and the answer is you always will be. Because here's what you have, older leader. You have wisdom and experience. And that's worth a lot. So you, you should never feel threatened, in my opinion, by a young leader who potentially can do something better than you can because you still are going to have what we all have when we get older, which is wisdom and experience. You're, you're long in the tooth, as we say in the horse industry. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you've been around the block, man, uh, you know, and there's, there's always going to be a place for the, the leader. So, you know, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm trying to encourage a fourth quarter leader to stay in the game, for example, compared to, Hey, you know, here's your options. You can retire and go like play shuffleboard on the, on the carnival cruise ship which nothing wrong with that. And I'm all for you going and hitting that cruise hard and, you know, getting really good at shuffleboard. But here's the thing we need right now is we need your wisdom. And uh, you're still needed. You know, the, the generations working together actually is the, is the beautiful picture that I think organizations that get this end up having. Mm -hmm. And you're, more and more, the, the things that we thought we were needed most for in an organization as an older leader are no longer going to be true because every young leader I know can find the answer quicker than me and they probably already know it. But what they don't have is they don't have years of experience. Right. So I've, I've always kind of got job security <laughs> if, if I'm older, you know. Um, so I, I never should have the mindset or the, the perspective that I'm threatened by somebody who's younger and smarter and 
has more information than I do. And, and that, I think so many times that's the real issue. It's, it ends up being a self-awareness thing. It ends up being like, um, am I really needed? You know, what happens if, 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 if no longer I have a seat at the table yeah. and that's, in, you know, a lot of that's insecurity. So to answer your question, that's, those are a few things that come to mind. Do you think that this is more prevalent in the church than it is in the marketplace? I think, I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and part of that is um, the marketplace in general rewards, rewards competence regardless of age. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I probably would agree with that. The, the market itself is not as loyal to companies. And so companies have no choice but to innovate, to change, to progress or else you're out. Yes. You know, we don't have that yes. tension in the church world per se. You know, churches are incredibly resilient. Congregations can be incredibly loyal, uh, which is, which is amazing. But the, the downside to that, I guess, if, if we position it that way is that there also isn't that uh, fire under the proverbial, <laughs> proverbial uh, hiney <laughs> to change, yep. you know, or to grow. Yep. And so if that's not there, where does that come from? Yeah. And, and, and part of that too, is that, yes, I can, um, unfortunately, and, and this, I'm, I'm painting a picture that's not true across all spectrums, but just stay with me for a second. Um, you know, the, 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 um, the thing that many churches are concerned with today, especially in, in a, in a, you know, a sort of a pre pandemic world, um, and is people showing up, sitting in the seats, um, people giving and, and engagement, th- those three areas, you know, the, the cheeks in the seats, the, the nickels, nickels and noses, uh, along with then are people really being discipled? And, you know, two of those three are probably a bit more skewed towards, towards your peers. And so as you grow a church, you end up sort of having, you know, people who are invested in the church financially that are, that are your peers, you know, and that end up skewing older. And you also end up skewing older as it relates to people who actually show up and attend. So sometimes the, the, the measurables that we look at we don't actually get rewarded by thinking younger mm. or being younger in general. And so, you know, what, what's measured gets, uh, gets, gets movement in an organization. Mm. What's, what's rewarded gets repeated. You know, what, what we end up sort of looking at and thinking about and spending our energy on are the things that then we value. So what, to your question, I think what churches have to make sure they're doing, and a lot of churches are doing this, and I think the churches that are actually are growing and they're, they're, they have influence, is that they have to think, they have to push themselves to always be pushing younger. Yeah. And I've, you know, I've heard Craig Rochelle at Life Church talk about that you know, they're very intentional, even in the way they program things, that they will put teenagers into places of influence and leadership and on stage and, and hosting and, 
being a part of the experience because they want it to always skew younger um, compared to just the opposite. And, you know, again, that's a culture for a church that you're, you're now like creating the thing that you want to see actually, that you want to actually see being built. Um, And, and so practically, I think we have to be really intentional because otherwise we just, we will naturally default to getting old as an organization and as a church. Um, and we'll start rewarding and, and, and looking at, you know, the things where we put our energy that end up like looking like us. And, you know, so that's, that's a, that's a long answer, but I'm, I'm definitely not, I'm not, uh, we haven't figured it out that, you know, that we're, we're all still working on it. That's for sure. Yeah, there's this one quote that I, I thought of a lot. Uh, Nothing grows under the banyan tree. It's a it's mm-hmm. like an Asian proverb, and the banyan tree is this tree that I learned about while, while I was while I was traveling uh, in Thailand. I lived out in Thailand for uh, close to a year, and while I was out there, this banyan tree has these massive canopies, and they're so dense and so big and beautiful that no shade or that no sun gets through because it's just so thick and dense, the canopy. So no, no sun gets to the ground as a result, even though these trees are so big and beautiful, nothing's able to grow because water and sunlight can't get to the ground. And I think about that a lot and think about how oftentimes as leaders, we can be like that banyan tree. You know, you've got a lot of super pastors out there or very capable leaders who are incredibly talented. And if we're not intentional, we don't realize that our presence is so massive that nutrients and development don't get below us Hmm. and people don't grow. And so my question, I guess, to you is, do you see, for those who are being intentional, do you see specific things or common themes that, that they're intentional about that are useful to, to leaders who are, who are maybe considering how well they're doing at developing next gen? Yeah. Well, especially from a church side, I would say, um, you know, I want to see how much your, your, um, how much of your resources and your talent are actually going towards the next generation. And that could be kids, it could be students, it could be college and young adults. But, you know, how, how much of your budget and also how much of your, again, your, the people who are the sharpest, who have the most capacity, um, who have the most competency, and, and even for you as a senior pastor, you know, how much of your time and energy are you putting into thinking about how are we developing shaping, creating environments for the next generation. Because if I, I can promise you, if you're putting intentionality into it, you're probably getting some, some, some results, but you'll also notice then that you start to actually skew younger. I mean, it, you know, the, the churches that, that they, the church is full of young adults. Mm-hmm. There's a reason, you know, you, you can actually do the research and the data and look at it and go, oh, here's what they're doing. And, you know, some of the other reasons or, or things that are, are usually pretty prominent and evidence would be that there's a true sense of authenticity as a culture. Right. Um, there, there's, a, there's a real sense that, that we allow for, for younger leaders to own things here 
and be responsible and you don't have to wait your turn. You don't have to sort of wait in line. You don't have to, you know, now it's not like you're just, it's the wild, wild west, but you know, there, there definitely is a skewing towards let's try some stuff. Let's let them, let's let them feel the weight of, of creating environments that we know that they want to create. And sometimes we sit in a room as older leaders and we go, I have no idea why they're doing that. I would have never done it that way. I, I, would, I would do everything just the opposite. Well, exactly. Mm. Exactly. Because remember when you were 20 and you, you were saying the exact same thing right. about, you know, uh, that, that older leader, you know, who was now like leading you. Right. Um, so this is always true. Generational transfer. You know, we, we always end up sort of uh, looking around going, I have no clue of what they're talking about. Well, yes. So let them feel the weight and the ownership of that. Um, another thing that you'll see with churches that really are getting this is that um, they, they have a staff that is younger. I mean, truly like, right. you know, it, it, you're, you want to be thinking, how are we hiring people and giving them, especially either hiring them or your key leaders where again, you look at it and go, I cannot believe that I'm giving that much responsibility and ownership and a sense of like, uh Oh, with that 25 year old and your job then is to coach them. So, because otherwise what will happen if, if, if you're not giving them opportunity and you're also not coaching them, then they'll go somewhere else. Right. And you'll look around and all of a sudden you'll be surrounded by uh, a lot of people that aren't necessarily young and, and it's not like young leaders don't want to be led today. They, they, they actually desire right. to be led. You just have to, le- you need to be a, a student of the way that they want to be led. Yep. Um, so that, that would be another, um, I think, tangible evidence piece is that in churches, in organizations where, where, you know, there's a real sense that there's a lot of young leaders hanging around, you have a, you have a leadership culture that's being created from the top where they listen to them. They're actually like, they're actually willing to, to let them help shape what's happening. Yeah. And And start from the top. Exactly. Yeah. So I'll stop there and, and let you comment or share some of your thoughts too. No, I mean, I, I, I would just echo that. I, I think that it's, I tend, I tend to think that this is, even more of an important issue, you know, talent, succession, all the things that kind of roll up into this idea have been important in business as it is in in church or any other organization. I think there are two big factors that I think a lot about, though, that make this even more urgent in a time like this. The first thing is something we have, we've all known about and experienced, which is complexity. You know, uh, Church, churches in particular, running a business and running a church is unlike anything else that we do in that the longer you do it, the harder it gets. Mm-hmm. If, if I run, if I, if I play guitar for 15 years and then 20 years, it gets easier to the yeah. point that some people say it, it feels like it's just an extension of my limbs or something, right? The longer you run a church or you run a business 
and it begins to grow and you add people and you add technology and processes and then you're adding, you know, bureaucracy and then there's politics, the level of complexity grows, which makes it harder. <laughs> yep. And then when, a great it's, point. when it's time to change, you know, 15 years, 20 years down the road, because some macro disruption, whether it's health, like a COVID or technological disruption comes into the mix. Now you got to change everything. And that's incredibly difficult. So that complexity, though, we know, you know, things that grow also grow in complexity. It's, it's like all the all the, the more reason to be thinking about your talent. And then I think the second thing that kind of pairs up with this, which isn't something as leaders that we have always been used to is the rate of change. Mm -hmm. You know, my, when, and then when you bring the two together, it, it creates an environment where if you are not tapping into your younger leaders and finding a way to empower them and give them the swimming lanes that they need uh, so that you feel good as the senior leader, but also your team is vibrant and working hard and solving problems and, and doing all that good stuff your organization is going to really struggle under those two things, the complexity of just being around long and the rate of change that's happening all around you. You know, you, so I don't, I don't know if that, if you, if you see that as well, or if that's just something that maybe because I still have a foot in marketplace. Uh, but I'm curious, I'm curious of your comment on that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, and, you know, my, going back to just the, the idea of, of, of leading and managing the next generation. You know, I, I hear a lot of my peers and, and older that, that say, I just, I don't get the 20 something today. Yeah. You know, I, they're, they're, they, they just, they have different mindset. They have different metrics. They, they, they look at the world differently. Well, exactly. And it's because of what you just said, CJ, like the rate of change that the difference between 20 years now is like what used to be the difference of 50 years. Right. Because of the speed and rate of change. So even between, you know, if you have a if you have an 18-year-old son and a and a 14-year-old son, that four years gap right now is actually what used to, what used to be like 10 or 12 years. Right. In terms of just the way they 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 approach things, the the again, the the, the technology, you know, the digital nativeness, the the, the way they see the world, the empathy they have for different things. Mm -hmm. And so all that goes into the, the way somebody shows up on your team. And our job as a leader now is to, again, we've got to be students of people we're leading. Wow. Because if, if we only look at them and say, you're a cog in the wheel, um, there's many more who could take your seat. Um, you're going to do it my way or the highway. Um, I, I know you're young, so you're not really going to get a chance here until I, until, until really I got a chance here, you know, like that, if we're thinking, if that's our mindset, they're going to be gone. And it's not because they're disloyal. It's not because they're jumpers. It's not because they, they are, you know, they're just looking for the next opportunity. It's because you didn't become a student of them. Yes. So th there is so much weight and responsibility on on me and on us as leaders to say i've got to i've got to think again how do i lead that that young up and coming catalyst of a leader who can change the world how do i get how do i get so in you know 
how do I, how do I make, how do I become um, such an expert on the way that they want to be led that I can allow them to flourish. Mm. And I promise you, if that's your approach, even if you get it wrong, they're going to stick around, man. They, they will, they will flock to you like, you know, like geese around somebody at the, at the city lake, who's got a, who's got a, a whole, like, uh, you know, whole, whole slice of bread ready, ready to hand out. Yeah. And you're, you're a, at that point now, all of a sudden you become, you become this attractor of young talent. Yes. And that's, that's fun, man. You know, and that, yeah, that is it. You just hit it the nail on the head. I mean, I think that a cycle of attraction, a magnet, you know, uh, requires some elements in order for that thing to be really strong. And I think leaders really need to maybe rewind and hear what you just said, because the point at which some of your young talent gets utilized and starts to grow and then they get recognition, uh, they, that's a critical point because either they get op- offered opportunities internally or they're mm-hmm. getting them externally from other places. And what we do as a leader at that point is critical because if we don't do anything, some people will quit and they stay in the organization, <laughs> right? <laughs> which, yeah. which actually messes that attractional magnet for talent. Cause you don't want to be an A player that comes into a system. You end up being a B player that then attracts C and D players. And that's that cycle continues. Right. So it's so critical yeah. that we offer them opportunities to grow because, you know, if they leave that creates a retention problem, which is, which is unfortunate, obviously, but if they stay and they quit, because they know that, you know, this organization doesn't give them opportunities. Now you have what I call the walking dead. They're in your organization, they're showing up to work, but they're, they, they're just, they're not there. You know, they're not passionate. They're not, they're just kind of going through the motions. And I fear that, you know, there are a lot of organizations that have relied on these big personalities. And again, with the complexities and the rate of change that we see out there, they're really vulnerable. And I think COVID has kind of shown some of that. Uh, just how vulnerable sometimes we are. So I think yeah. Yeah, to, to bring it back to, to what you're saying, offering them those, those opportunities, even if they leave, I want to address this real quick, even if they do leave, even if you became an organization that really nurtures them, gives them opportunities, they grow and then they leave on you, right? That's, that's one of the biggest fears. We don't want to invest in 20-year-olds or 30-year-olds because they, they take that investment and then they leave. And what I always say to, to folks who say that is, yeah, but you don't, you start to, to gain a reputation as a place exactly. to grow. And exactly. so more leaders come into the pipeline, right? Whereas if you're you restricting it. them and they don't get opportunities, now you've become a place that's known as a place to die, <laughs> right? Yep. In terms of just professional uh, value and, and, and your market value professionally. Yeah, even if you think of the of the sports world, you know there are certain colleges. Uh, let's just take you know Coach K at Duke, Mike Shostesky. You know Duke Duke is is a established just juggernaut in the college basketball right. world, and you know if you go to play at Duke, that you know it's a magnet. 
Um, there's also the same it is true at the University of Kentucky. You know, John Calipari has put, I don't know, 30, 30 or more in the last 10 years, 30 or more first round draft picks yeah, into the NBA. Amazing. And, and he, he will say, hey, I know that I'm only, only, only going to get a year, maybe, maybe two years with these student athletes. But while they're here, I'm going to do everything in my power to release them to go do what they're going to do next. Mm. And it, it, it has become, you know, the place that every high school senior, if they, if they have dreams of playing in the NBA, they're, they're looking at, you know, Kentucky or Duke, either one and many more, but just those two examples as places to say, man, I want to go be a part of that thing. And, you know, there are, there, you're, you're, you brought up such a great point. If you're known, if you have a reputation for being a place that young leaders thrive in and then end up actually perhaps getting, you know, lots of offers mm-hmm. to go other places to work, that's a, that's a sign that you're, you're like best in class. Right. So that, that's the kind of reputation you want to have. You don't want to be a place where it's like, well, I would never hire somebody from that team. <laughs> because well the writing's on the wall then right. you know um that's so good so that that's a really good point of the way we even approach how we build culture and if people are leaving a lot and they're being you know or people are trying to take your people yeah see that as a sign of of health not as exactly. a sign of uh oh you know I, I better get i better get protectionist mindset set in I, a better start, you know, closing the, closing the doors and make sure they stay mm-hmm. because they're going to probably leave anyway, you know, but so embrace it. That's, that's what I just heard from you and embrace yeah, that. Especially today, because we're not, you know, this isn't, this isn't, um, the workplace has evolved so dramatically over the last 20 to 40 years. Nobody stays at, you know, United airlines for their entire career. <laughs> You know, exactly. No, nobody yeah. works at, you know, the, the factory that they, that was, that was in their city for 20, 30, 40 years and retires from the same place that they got their first job at. That just doesn't happen. And, and what we talk a lot about in our organization is we, we build the system around a tour of duty. You know, people are going to come in mm-hmm. and do a tour and the tour is going to look like three mm-hmm. years, maybe four at Facebook. If you're there more than three years, they consider you like an old timer. You know, they've right. calibrated their systems, the way they think about talent in such a way that they don't even have the expectation. So your, your definition of success, your definition of ROI in regards to talent is, is totally different. You know, I'm going to get them for three years. We're going we're gonna to invest. We're going to get the most we can out of these folks. They're going to grow. The, the, the real talent is going to excel here. And yeah, they may go run Netflix. Yeah, they may go run some other place. but But we are going to be known as a place that you get offered opportunities. We move fast, you get impact and you grow. And that's why you have so much talent descending in, in some of these areas like the Bay area, the, you know, in, in, in California or, you know, or in Austin or New York, you know, because people know that's where you go to grow. That's where you go to get certain opportunities. So the, the idea of the tour, I think could really serve us as Mm. leaders because it, it gives us something to kind of reset our own thinking around talent. 
I love that. Be, be the place where you, where you as a young leader go to grow. Yes. That's, that's what you want said about your, your team, your organization, your church, your, or your company. Be the, yes. be the place that young leaders say, I want to go there to grow. Yes. Now I want to ask you one more question on this because you, you actually have been doing this you, you don't just talk it, you know, this is one thing I've appreciated about you, man. Like you don't just talk about this stuff. You're, you're creating spaces and experiences for this kind of thing to happen. One of the examples that I want to, you know, I want people to kind of know about or learn more about is you have crafted an experience of young leaders. You take them out. You're the, you do this kind of single handedly. It doesn't really cost them anything to get there and I got to participate in this, which was incredible. You call it, you know, young guns and you get these incredible leaders. Uh, I don't know how the heck I got in there, but we, I got in there. I think you, you gave me the sympathy card, which was awesome. Appreciate that. But these guys are amazing. <laughs> no. we, ho- we went horseback riding. We had some amazing food, amazing discussions, amazing uh, mentorship happening there. Uh, it was it was a super fun time. Quickly, what was the vision of that, and what are you seeing coming out of that experience? Well, the vision, real simple, was that I was watching too many young leaders get taken out of the game because of dumb decisions, and and I'm talking more like moral failure and uh, becoming toxic and uh, doing things that they never would have done but 10 years into their journey or 15 years into the journey or 20 years into their journey, you know, they're, they're now carrying the weight of something significant and it's, it's crushing them yeah. and they end up doing dumb stuff. So the whole vision was, I want to, I want to help young leaders finish the race. Well, mm. that's it. Like I want to, I want to see a mm. bunch of young leaders that I, that I know that I have access to that I'm cheering on and I want to see them get to the finish line. And too many of them aren't. So that's the vision. And, you know, I'm just trying to do my small part with a, with a very small percentage of leaders yeah. to, to say, what can I do to get them together, uh, connect them, encourage them, um, hang out, you know, have some fun together and talk about some issues that they need to talk about. Because when, you know, when, when a leader is able to to actually sit around the room and look at other leaders they admire and say, wait, you too, you, you also struggle with that. And man, I didn't, I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one. And, and, oh, you get me now. Like you understand the things that I'm wrestling with. And, you know, you've got to have an outlet as a leader to be able to, to talk and discuss and, and share and, you know, kind of walk through these things that only leaders who are carrying things understand because if you talk to your team about it you know that's great right but it may not help you to process it so that's that's the idea behind it it's very it's very curated um it's very under the radar like there's no you know nobody nobody can sign up for it uh there's no website there <laughs> no ads. this is you know I, ads on this thing. <laughs> you got it man like i mean i i i know that world of big conferences and and, you know, thousands of people showing up and that's great. But for this season, for me, mm. I'm definitely like being a curator of a small, but I would say very influential group of leaders that I want to just do my part to, again, 
like I said earlier, take up the mountain with me yeah, and get as far as possible up to the, to the peak, you know, Love and it. make, make sure that they, they finish the race. And, you know, this is cause, cause I'm, I'm passing the baton now I, yeah. and I'm not old, but you know, I'm old <laughs> enough that I, I need to be, I need to be passing that baton. And so, yeah. but everybody needs to do this. You know, that, that's the thing. People hear about what I'm doing and they go, Oh, that's cool, Brad. Now, my, my challenge to all of us as leaders listening is you can do the same thing. And it may not, it may not be gathering national leaders. Right. It might be gathering, you know, five or six local leaders. But part of your job is to look behind you and say, oh, there's five, seven, ten young leaders in my city, in my community, in my region that that I'm going to do my part to give them an opportunity to gather, connect that they probably wouldn't do on their own. Mm. So it doesn't have to be some grand thing, you know, and, and this is, this goes back to that idea of our job. If we're going to, if we're going to be carrying the stewardship of generational transfer, we have to be in the business, all of us of doing this. And, you know, it, it, so, so don't let the excuse of, well, I'm, uh, you know, and that's not really what I do. No, it is what you do. Right. It's, it's on every one of our job descriptions as leaders. I love it. Yeah. And you got to make time. You got to be intentional. Well, Brad, uh, you have a podcast of your own, which I want to, I want to promote a little bit because people can hear more about, you know, this specifically, you, you interview a lot of different folks as well, where you guys are honing in on this topic. So, uh, give us, give us the quick commercial on that. Where can they find that? Yeah. H three leadership podcast, H three leadership podcast. That's the name of a book I wrote and I just couldn't, I couldn't come up with a better name. So I just called it that. Uh, but <laughs> we're not really talking about the book. Uh, we're, you know, it's, it's much more for me of a place to, to, uh, to have some friends on, but also I'm trying to give links and resources, recommendations. I, I'm, I really consider it a curation podcast. Yeah. And so if you're looking for sort of the best of what leaders need to know, that, that's kind of my phrase. You know, I'm, I'm your filter for the best of what leaders need to know mm-hmm. at, in, res, in regards to podcasts to listen to and books to read and articles to check out and who are the new young influencers you need to know about. And what's the music coming out and what organization should I be paying attention to? So I do a lot of that in each episode. So you can find it uh, on your, on your favorite podcast app. Love it. Well, people, people, I hope, uh, I hope you found some value in this episode where Brad and I get to riff a little bit. And uh, if you want, that was fun. That was fun, fun. man. Yeah, man. Gosh, you always, I'm always learning something new, man, when when we chat. But if you want to learn more about uh, what's going on at Thrive, every week we've got content that we release in the form of webinars, blogs, videos, podcasts. Uh, Well, podcasts are a couple times a month, but all kinds of content that's available at thriveconference.org. There's a great women's leadership podcast hosted by Angie Wysocki and some friends. Uh, Ray Johnston, pastor of Bayside Church, has a leadership podcast as well uh, within the Thrive Network of of podcasts. So check those out Mm -hmm. and uh, rate us, subscribe us, just so more people can get access to this. But uh, Brad, any final words? Well, we didn't talk about the the role of the young leader yet. So we'll come back on maybe on a on a future episode and 
and really highlight, I think one of the things that I hear a lot too is as a young leader, what should be the thing I'm doing mm. inside of an organization, you know, and how do I lead up? Well, um, we, we, that, you know, we, we need to talk about that side of it too. Cause what we focused on for the most part was how do you create a culture that will attract young leaders? And so on a future episode, we'll talk about as a young leader in that culture, how do you make sure you're actually uh, contributing and doing your part to, uh, to, to be a great part of the culture. I love that. I've got so much. I want to tell my 20 year old self. Yes. I have so much yes, that I want too. to tell them. So we have to do part two of this and uh, we'll do that real soon. Yeah. Well, as, uh, as we always say, right. The, uh, the, the goal here is for you to be a healthy leader and uh, to, to be part of a thriving church. So we hope that helped you to get to that goal. And uh, on behalf of CJ and I, we appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this, of this community. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Thrive Leadership Podcast. <laughs>